Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to the Life, Death, and Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. I know it seems like a strange combination, but that gives me a unique view of life and death. Death can be scary. I get that. That's why I'm doing this. I want to help people explore life, death, and what it all means. We are born and we die. What we do in the middle is the space between. Highly sought after media expert, Dr. Michael Lennox has been seen internationally on many television shows, beginning with the sci-fi network's The Dream Team, and has also been featured on numerous network and cable television venues, including NBC's Emmy award-winning Starting Over, Soap Talk, The Wayne Brady Show, and many others. His radio appearances talking about the power of dreams number in the hundreds. Dr. Lennox obtained his master's and doctorate in psychology from the Chicago School and his doctoral dissertation, Astrology and Personality, is published by Lambert Academic Publishing. Dr. Lennox is also the author of three books on dreams, Dream Sight, a Dictionary and Guide for Interpreting Any Dream, Llewellyn's Complete Dream Dictionary, and Llewellyn's Little Book of Dreams. Dr. Lennox leads workshops and retreats all over the United States and conducts a worldwide private practice based in Southern California. So I welcome today Dr. Lennox to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And you were smart enough to get out of Chicago after you finished at Chicago school. Because we <laughs> <actually bonded> over <laughs> our psych degrees. No, from- I actually went to school in Southern California. The Chicago school bought the school. So technically, I went to California Graduate Institute, but California Graduate Institute is the Chicago, Chicago school. school. Gotcha. Yeah. All these crazy no, Chicago movies. never worked for me, honey. I left New York as <laughs> a winter. I live in Southern <laughs> California, baby. And the 45 degree month we had just coming out of here wrecked me. I like the warm. <laughs> I can't say I blame you. So today we're going to talk about dreams in multiple different variations, which I think, you know, you have the background in psychology and spirituality, which I think lends well to a conversation about dreams. So can you talk a little bit about how you understand the various information that dreams can give us? Yeah, you know, one of the things I love about the idea of, of neuroscientists discovering more and more about what's happening in the brain chemistry of sleep the ipso facto thing that comes out of the scientific community is, well, therefore dreams have no meaning or they have no mystical implications because we know that metabolic waste is being cleaned up in REM sleep, which is, you know, just scientific hubris. It's just silly to me. I think that we have been, I am imagining that we have been holding dreams as sacred for thousands and thousands and thousands of years as community that when we began to gather around the fire, what would we talk about? There was no real housewives of the Serengeti to entertain (laughs) us. We talked about the community and the hunt and stories that were unfolding in our world. But dreams must have been a big part of that cultural community gathering things. And imagine if you're sitting around the fire, it's 20,000 years ago, 30,000 years ago, and someone says, I had a dream about grandma. She just passed away. I had a dream about grandma. Suddenly, there's this thing called an afterlife that gets understood. I think mythology came out of, I had a dream about this sort of half horse, half 
human. Oh, me too, I've seen that image. And suddenly now we have mythologies and religions spinning up out of culture. I believe that dreams were the first expression of the soul's uh, you know, longing as human beings to have a greater experience of the mystery that is life. So you talk about circles of interpretations of yeah. dreams. What is that? How do, <laughs> well, you, how do we use that? I think dreams, first of all, dreams cannot have a single meaning. That would be ludicrous. They're too expansive. They're too mysterious. They're too uh, uh, um, rich with stuff we don't understand or know about to, 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 to say, well, they, they do this or they mean that. <clears throat> so there are perspectives about what dreams are reflecting that I think are best if we look at the different perspectives as very codifiable different structures. I call the inner circle of interpretation the idea of looking at a dream as if it's reflecting the dreamer only. Every person in that dream, every scenario, every experience is therefore reflecting some aspect of that person's psychology, their personality, and their growing and shifting wisdom through life. But of course, dreams also, psychologists tell us this, that dreams are also reflecting our movement through our lives, our interactions with others, our experience out in the community, our relationship dynamics show up in dream conflict. But that is separate to me from the dream reflecting just the psyche. So I break these down and uh, uh, call it the inner circle of reflection or the outer circle of reflection so that we can perceive the dream as a different tool. I like to work specifically on this inner circle, this idea that the dream is just reflecting the dreamer, mostly because when I'm talking to someone who's having a dream and expressing it to me, they're the only one with me. Why, why would I be, you know, I, I'm more interested in their experience of their humanity and helping them know themselves better by increasing the relationship that they have with their dreams that are so sacred and intimate and connected to a person's you know, inner psychology, devoid of their interactions with others. I just think that's where the richest material is available in dream work, is what is this dream saying to me about me? And so how do you see dreams as our unconscious? working, you know, people will say dreams, psychologists say, right, dreams are our unconscious, working through things, there's daily residue that are, that's part of dreams. How does that all fit into your understanding of dreams? What I love about the different perspectives that one can pick up, you just mentioned a couple of them, unconscious expressions, working out problems. Um, it's like no matter which lens you pick up, it's a, val it's a valid lens, mm -hmm. right? Even the neuroscientist who's not interested in the unconscious expressions that we, I believe in, <laughs> right. uh, that person is only interested in the, the structural stuff that's happening in the brain. It's a perfectly valid way to look at dreams and sleeping. Um, so I like the fact that you can pick up one of these sort of perspectives and dive totally in it. It's like if I'm working with somebody on a dream and we're well engaged in a sense of what a dream means, and then they might say, well, what about that? What if the notebook that I dropped in the hallway of the high school dream 
has this meaning because I was, I don't know, I'm like, it's a terrible example. I can't right. come up with a kind of no, my no, no, I can. The moment you introduce another perspective or another idea, that's actually rich and juicy because there, there's no such thing as a wrong or bad interpretation. So the psychologists believe that the dream is reflecting unconscious impulses. The mystic believes that the dream is reflecting the soul's longings. The scientist believes that the dream is reflecting brain detritus being worked out in metabolic waste to, you know, delivery <laughs> right. to the blood-brain barrier, which is true. Well, to me, they're all true. So what is the difference then between a dream, an after-death visitation, a past life memory, because I think there it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I Dream, think there is there's a past difference. Life memory. There was one other. What else? Oh, precognitive. A precognitive. So you just find four different dream constructs that I, as someone who's been listening to dreams for decades and decades, and have heard thousands of dreams, easily understand that these categories exist, that there are dreams that are chaotic reflections of the underbelly of our, our, of our psyche. And those are the typical dreams where anything can happen and probably will. There's a thousand different images and storylines and convolutions. And that's what we call like a typical dream experience. Right. Let's go to the visitation thing because I think that happens a lot. And they are very different dream experiences that happen when someone has passed away through death. Those dream experiences are completely different from the wild, chaotic ride that story narrative dreams are. They're usually singular in their scenario, singular in their expression, often taking place in the room that the dreamer is sleeping in. Like It's like I dreamt that grandma showed up in my bedroom she just died. She didn't say anything, but she smiled and put her hand on her heart, and I knew that all was well. That's like a typical visitation dream. Couldn't be more different in their description. And once you, you know, once I heard like my 160th <laughs> visitation dream described to me as being specifically like that, singular in its scenario, singular in its sensation, and usually not so verbal, uh, but like an expression of love uh, uh, from the deceased passing person. Well, once you hear that enough times, over and over, repeated the same sensation, dreamer to dreamer, well, now that's a thing. And so I, then is that not really a dream, right? Then I, that's yeah, I think it's it. like a mystical experience <laughs> that uses the dream openness like mm -hmm. i think the significant piece there isn't the similitude of this is like a dream and this is a dream the to me the uh, the common ground is the judging watching navigating ego mind that would say no to the mystical experience i don't believe in that kind of mysticism mm -hmm. well that's asleep <laughs> it's sleeping right so it's not awake right. to judge and say oh this can't be happening and so because that mind is asleep, we are open to mystical experiences that I think are different. I think that the dream that's reflecting the unconscious is a different mystical experience uh, that, uh, than the visitation, which is, I think, even a different mystical experience than uh, to a precognitive dream where you dream of something that a day later or a week later comes about. But I think that because the waking mind that says no to the mystery is asleep. We are 
we are available for all of the different experiences that dreaming can bring us. So what would be, what would a past life, that was very clear. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because I'm always talking to people and I'll say that, I think you had a visit and they're like, no, 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 it was a dream. Yeah, right, right. And right. I'm like, just because you were sleeping doesn't then make it a dream. That's right. right. Yeah. Um, it was a visit while you were dreaming. Right, right. <laughs> and so what is, what is a past life? memory experience look like and okay. what is a precognitive okay great experience look like let me let me start let's start with the past life one and let me first qualify and say i couldn't possibly have any knowledge of whether this is true or accurate how would i know if there's such a thing as past lives i, I wouldn't i'm just a bozo on the bus along with everybody else how <laughs> You know, you just, I'm, I'm helping people explore these bozo topics on the bus. Well, so. I, 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 am, I am open to believing all experiences, and my life has been filled with mystical experiences. It's why I have a devoted spiritual practice and why I stand in being a spiritual teacher, helping other people understand the mysteries, right? So I always have to start with, a, well, I don't know if this is true or accurate, but I will tell you that, again, back to the idea of once you've heard several hundred versions of the same experience, it becomes like a, like a, like a walking empirical study. Like mm -hmm. I believe empirically that visitations exist because I've had hundreds and hundreds of people describe the same experience. Similarly, I have heard dreams from people where just in the listening, the idea would flash, this just sounds like a past life. Mm -hmm. Now, do I know that that's real? Do I know that I have the capacity to determine when someone's expressing a past life? That is ridiculously arrogant of me to presume that I could. So I'm not saying that I can. I'm reporting my experience, which is many, 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 many times I have heard dreams that sound like someone's describing a movie they watched. That's, I think what has to be present for me to say or have the impulse to say, this sounds like a past life experience, when it sounds like it. It doesn't sound like the chaotic dream where kooky things happen and scenarios change so fast and crazy-like that you know you're in dreamland. You couldn't possibly be in real world land. To me, right. a dream that I'm gonna likely say, ooh, this feels like a past life, is gonna have to have some kind of cohesiveness in the description of it. Otherwise, it won't sound like a past life. It'll sound like a dream. Gotcha. Okay. You know, I was driving in, down in the horse and buggy in the carriage in the street, and then the spaceship came, and, and the guy offered me a banana. Well, that's a dream. Right, right. But I was in this land in the horse and buggy, and I got out, and I tied my horse to the thing, and then the hunt, I was shot by the cowboy. And my mom was there and she was the cowboy who shot right. me and... Right. Now it sounds like you're describing a life. So, mm. do I believe in that possibility? Well, if it were the Inquisition, <laughs> I was arrested for believing in mystical ideas. Uh, you, I'm you going down me. with you. I'm going yeah, down that's with right. you. <laughs> we would both be on fire and oh well. Right. Can't prove it, don't know if it's true, but would die for the principle. And then we would experience that death in a past life regression or a past life so dream. Funny. Right? <laughs> hey, baby. You just... <laughs>
Okay, and a precognitive dream. Yeah, precognitive dreams, I will tell you this. I've been listening to dreams since I was a teenager. So let's just say that's about 40 years. Oh, come on. I'm 55. 20, 20. Years. I'm 55, honey, but thank you. Oh, honey. She's like, I'm yeah. telling you, the people who are doing the spiritual work, every time they come on and they, t- they say how old they are, they make reference to it. I'm <laughs> because like, Because when you're lit up from within. I know. I'm like, I need to have a near death experience where I come <laughs> back and the angels have healed me. And, you know, but I agree. No, it is I've had the opportunity to watch dreaming and expressions around dreaming change in a social way because I have been listening to dreams actively for 40 years. So one of the things that has happened is that I have noticed years ago, I only heard from people who were reporting precognitive dreaming um, on occasion and almost always that person who would say, oh yes, I have dreams that come true, often would say, yes, and that runs in my family. My mother has that, and her mother had that, and I have that gift and that ability. So it would be very sort of localized. Mm -hmm. What I've seen happen over the years, and this doesn't surprise me, this is a hooey-hooey mystical proposition that I'm about to state, is that like usually expressed in things like the vibration is increasing or frequency is, you know, stuff like that which I believe is happening as well, more and more and more people are having intuitive experiences. They're being woken up to being perceptive at levels that I didn't see 40 years ago and 30 years ago, but that I started to see about 15 years ago. And now what I'm hearing more and more and more is that people are asking me, oh my God, what does it mean? I had this dream and a day or three days later or a week later, it happened. I believe, and I'll sort of wrap up my perspective with this, my belief about precognitive dreaming is that it's just a new way, a newly expanding way that the, the veil of the illusion of time is eroding. It's not like, oh my God, I'm predicting something. If that were true, then you should be terrified of every dream you ever have, which is why people usually reach out. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I had this dream and four days later it happened. Does that mean that the dream of me driving off the cliff right. is going to happen? Right, yeah. right. No, I doubt it. But you are opening up to a perception experience that is easier to have in your dreams than it is when you're awake because of that, that mind that shuts out intuition isn't operating when we're sleeping. So I think we are all more intuitive in our dreaming experience. And there is, time is an illusion. It, it, mm-hmm. It's a trope. And it's, it's, you know, it's a hooey-hooey statement, but it's, it's also, you know, f- f- fact in physics right. that time is an illusion. And we are participating in that illusion in a way that's completely mysterious, that shows up in our dreaming experience, again, because we are open to perceiving. So why do some people remember their dreams? And then I'm going to share my experience that happened in between um, Michael and I had a pre-call and now we're talking today. But why do some people remember their dreams and some people don't? Because I said to you when we first talked, I haven't remembered dreams in months. I think there's a whole bunch of answers to this. And let's start with the fact that we, the, the primarily people are just wired differently. Here's the best example I can think of that is colloquial that I think applies. Some people have great sense of direction and some people don't. 
all of us live where north is north. <laughs> right. Right? North is north is north is north. But some people way. have an ability to have in a, in a, I think it happens in the body's intelligence of just having a sense of what orientation the body is having. Whereas the other person in the car might have no ability to have that. Now, I'm not saying they're the same thing. I'm just saying that I'm using one example of wiring to another. So I think that some people are more <laughs> wired to remember than others. And I suspect, and this will lead me into the second piece of the answer, I suspect that part of why that is is that the, the brain's area that is focused on the dreaming experience of visual stimuli is a different area of the brain that receives information from the eyes. Yet dreams are very visual. So mm -hmm. think about that. Inside the brain, you're seeing stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Seems like the same activity as seeing stuff when you're awake, where if something happened when you were awake and, and it was big, you'd be like, oh, I'll never forget this. And you probably wouldn't because right. you're awake and the part of your brain that is seeing with your eyes is also making the memory. Okay. But the dream visual imagery is happening in another part of the brain that's processing memory, that's processing the, the experience that is happening during REM sleep that has nothing to do with what the eyes see. So you'll be in the dream state in this vivid experience, but the moment consciousness returns and your eyes open up, that information is gone because you're simply turned in the direction of your brain navigating you through your waking life. And so for those people who never remember their dreams, that switch between states is just very abrupt. And so the person who remembers their dream simply is wired to have that state and the transition between them to be a little looser. And there's no way to improve that. I believe that everybody can improve and lengthen that window by focusing on it with intention maybe putting the pad and paper by your bedside. Most important piece, go to that pad and paper in the morning and write something even if there's nothing to report. That act will signal the unconscious mind that you have the intention to keep that window open longer. And you can, with intention and that behavior, create the most openness that your wiring will allow. So apparently... I set an intention, consciously or unconsciously, maybe just scheduling you, that yeah. I was going to remember a dream because I got really excited, <laughs> I think it was Saturday night, that I had a dream that I remembered. I have had this experience so many times, it tickles me to death. I can't, I mean, so many times I couldn't even like qualify it. It's like people have had that experience with me. They're, they make an appointment, they, they're going to come to a workshop, they don't dream, they haven't been dreaming, and boom, the dream comes right before the dream circle or the workshop. I've even had friends that I socialize with go from not dreaming to sparking a dream memory because we, we had plans to hang out. I think the intention is profoundly powerful. I think there's way more, well, you know this, there's way more going on in the mystery here than there is in the, what we call conscious reality. And so, yeah, you had that experience. So I get to share it with you, which was not, which was not what I was thinking this would turn into, but I'm going to share it with you. And I also have, do you, do you want me just to tell you the dream and then tell you the context around it or just the straight dream? Because I think 
for me... Well, let's start with a straight dream. Okay. Let, let's just put the dream in its purity in the ethers. Okay. To start. And as I reread it, it doesn't even really make sense. So mm-hmm. I guess this was a dream. Whereas I think last night, I also had a visit from my grandma, which was much more what Clear, you talked about. precise, exactly. singular. Exactly. Uh-huh. It came to me. She said, and usually this has happened to me historically, sort of before waking up. And so I remember it more clearly, but I feel like this happened in in the night because it was foggier in the morning, although the experience of it was very clear. Like she came to me, she said to me, everybody can just keep talking to me, just like you were picking up, just like you would pick up the phone and talk to me, just keep talking to me in that way, which is very much, I mean, we are a very communicative family and everything we do is, I mean, I talk to my mom. (laughs) I'm Jewish. We talk a lot. That's <laughs> a lot. Multiple times a day. My mom talked to her mom multiple times yeah, a day. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's that piece too. But I love the instruction built into that. That's, that sounds like a bona fide instruction from the other side. Just keep talking to me like you always do or mm-hmm. always have, which makes sense to me from everything that I know about energy and you know dimensions. And so yay. Yeah. So that was that. Now here's the craziness. Okay. okay. So I was in a waiting room at a hospital (laughs) and everyone had to present their issues. And I had forgotten my CD with what was wrong with me. So I had to go back home and get it. And I ran home and came back. And when I got back, people were whiteboarding their problems and circling where they were feeling pain in their bodies. And when I left the wait, when I left, the waiting room was empty. And when I came back, it was filled with people. Wait, here's where it gets funky. And the, I'm going to have to sing on the podcast. The Brian Adams song that goes, Baby, you're all that I want. And I'm lying here in your arms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah, judge, my, don't judge my vocals. Um, <laughs> was playing. And I got back and I gave the CD to the person, to someone. And when I did, someone else was presenting their case. And she was drawing on the board and there were like 10 numbers and all these different places. And she described where and when she felt pain. And it was this weird pattern on this whiteboard. And that was all I could remember. What's the theme of the song? Like, I, I, I don't know the song well enough to be able to sort of tell you, like, what's the, what's the message of the song? I don't even know. I know that there's some part that says, like, you're in heaven, like that part to it. All right. Okay. And you're lying here in my arms. Isn't it hard to believe you're in heaven or something like that? Okay. <clears throat> well, it's interesting because the whatever the message of the song is, it does seem to uh, have a, an a impact on you. What did you make of the dream since you are a psychologist right. and uh, 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 on your own path? let's hear what you made of it and then and then I'll sort of weigh in on anything that sort of, you know. So there were interesting. There were two it felt to me like a daily residue dream in a lot of ways, like an amalgam of a couple of things. Sure. One was that I recently did have to go to the hospital. I had an exam, I forgot the C D, I had to go back. So that was all Got it. So that was all very literal reflection stuff. Yes. Right. 
The other piece is that I am working on putting together a workshop and I keep talking about how I've been trying to whiteboard it and I can see it very clearly in my mind, but I can't seem to get from my mind out to translate the meaning of what is in my mind, if that makes sense, which is, which is rare for me. Normally, I can very clearly visualize how something should look in concrete form and translate that like that. Wow. So, oh, gosh. <clears throat> this has been a place where I've been stuck and... Yeah. And the waiting room was empty when I left to go get my CD and was very full the next time I had to come back for my appointment. (laughs) And so how would you describe such a dream if it were also talking about thoughts that you have that declare that things are wrong? Like making justification that I have a problem that needs to be fixed as opposed to working on a, a more spiritual approach of trust and surrender that all... Here's why I'm asking this question. It's a good question. It's a fair question. Well, if I start with I'm in a waiting room, then I know mm-hmm. that some process is not quite happened. I'm waiting for a healing to begin. Mm-hmm. I'm in a hospital waiting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, so I know that one thing that the dream. This is inner circle stuff, right? Okay. Uh, which also includes, by the way, when you describe what you're working on in terms of navigating through thoughts that that can be structured to address things you want to help teach about healing. Mm-hmm. That makes sense too. Waiting room, hospital waiting room. Right. 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 So both perspectives are well supported by the the way the dream starts. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, but when I think of just the pure, like, universal thoughts about, okay, what do people in dreams represent? They represent aspects of the dreamer. What if you're in a crowded waiting room? Each one of those people that show up in the dream is like a thought Mm. that you are having Mm -hmm. that says something's wrong with me that needs to be fixed. Right, right. That initially, there's nothing wrong with you that needs to be fixed. Until you're like, oh, wait a minute, I forgot my CD of complaints. Right, that shows what's wrong with me. That's right, let me go get it to prove that there's stuff that's wrong with me. And then when you do, suddenly now, your waiting room is filled with thoughts that you are having that something is wrong. Hmm. So the way that I'm sort of framing the, the inner is more existential. Right, right. But just to sort of valid, you know, like the existential of like, am I standing in a place that knows that there's nothing really wrong with me enough to be able to teach other people whatever version you would have of teaching other people that they're, you know, that their minds are telling them they're, they're in challenge when, you know, sometimes that's how we free ourselves from the challenges of perspective change. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. So that's, that's in the dream on all three levels. Well, and what's interesting as you're saying that is that what I was there for was something that lots of people fear is something wrong with them. And so it was, it was a cancer center, you know, so, and I actually wasn't worried that there was anything wrong with me, but had this CD that told me I needed to get checked further and had the, you know, these, these other things that all express this need to be examined more clearly. 
What I love about this is that like, there's several roads that we could go down. So like if we were in a clinical setting or a, you know, a setting where I was helping you unpack the dream and you were investigating different areas of your consciousness, no matter what road we go down, there's something rich to unpack. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of dreams. But you can only have that experience if you approach the dream work from the perspective of there is no right way, there is no wrong way. Right. Uh, my belief is our dreams just want us to have more interaction with them, have a relationship with them. One of the ironies of this, and I think I might have shared this with you on our pre-call, is that when I interpret somebody's dream in a setting like this, it is a kind of you tell me your dream, I tell you what it means, and then you have an aha going like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. And then that winds up looking like dream work. Mm -hmm. But that's not dream work. That's just what I do. Dream work is anything that will get you in consideration of your dreams. And there isn't necessarily going to be an aha of, oh my God, I know exactly what this dream means. Now I'm happy. Right. And, and that's resolved. Right. There's richness in simply being someone who is in relationship with your unconscious, with the mystery, with the dream world and that relationship is what leads to a richer life not the aha i figured it out <laughs> right right it's the it's i mean this is why we do what we do as therapists right is to make yes. our our unconscious conscious make our unconscious aware conscious. of why we are reacting and responding to things the way that we are so we can grow and heal that's right that's right that's right that's right so what would you say are like what would you say is the biggest takeaway that you would like to impart on people about dream work? I think you might have said it already, but just to read Well, I mean I have a cute little way I like to wrap it up. Um, you know, that starts with the what we've just sort of uh, uh, declared as uh, uh, primary is the relationship. That so that's if, if there's anything to say about dream work is that what it is, what dream work is, is anything that cultivates a relationship between your conscious thinking and your dreaming experience. So just having a dream is dream work. Mm -hmm. Remembering it takes it to another level. Writing it down increases what's possible. Sharing what you've written with another human being enriches the experience even further. Doing something along, you know, with yourself in response to that dream experience takes it even further. Like if you've written it down, maybe do some journaling about what you feel as a result of having written it down. And the, the biggest, bestest thing you can ever do with a dream is to somehow respond to it in a creative fashion. The unconscious is a realm that speaks to us in a language that is symbolic in nature, not literal, not rational, but symbolic. And if you respond to the dream with a drawing, a poem, a dancing around the living room in your, in your underwear, <laughs> acting it out, hmm. then the unconscious lights up and says, holy shit, she's responding to me. I'm going to give her even more of this mysterious experience and the relationship sails on into an incredible, valuable exchange between conscious mind and unconscious realm. Well, no one look in my windows tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Such a delight to be here. Thank you. And if people want to find you, where can they do that? 
My website is michaellennox.com. My business page on Facebook is Dr. Michael Lennox, Dr. Michael Lennox, Dr. Michael Lennox. Instagram is Dr. Lennox Dreams. Those are the three easiest ways to connect with me. And I will have that in my show notes as well. So thank you so much for joining me today on Life, Death, and the Space Between. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.